Welcome to episode 173 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. My name is Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. And we are broadcasting here uh, live-ish from Magenta Manor, deep within the bowels of Magenta Manor in the Pat Cave. And uh, as you know, Throwdown Thursday is brought to you by Deadly Grounds Copy, because we are a part of the Dorkening Network. And I am, of course, joined by my co-host on the show and my co-host in life. She is the mistress of Merlot, the real housewife of Transylvania, the Michael Phelps of wine, and the queen of the monsters. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Ashes Von Nightmare. What day is it? It is, uh, oh, when this comes out, it is Ashtoberfest. Because? Because it's your birthday. It's my birthday, everybody! Happy birthday to me! And uh, as a special birthday gift, uh, we are joined by our good friend of the uh, super awesome uh, Best Darn Diddly Review Show. It's our good buddy, Mr. Most Day is off, Miles himself. Yeah, I'm a little bit uh, embarrassed right now because I thought this was going to be a video thing. I took the time to wrap myself, put a nice little bow. I have a card that says two ashes, love Miles. Like, I had this whole thing and now I'm just a jackass wrapped in wrapping paper talking on an audio podcast. But hey, I'm glad to be here. I'm sure your dogs are <laughs> looking at you all wrapped up like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but happy birthdays, Ashes, and I'm so honored to be a part of Ashtoberfest. Uh, and I'm just really excited to be back on the Throwdown Thursday podcast. Right, and not talking about a Simpsons character. Yeah, honestly, I don't know what y'all are doing. Like, I, I'm like, but, I don't. I've never been allowed to talk about things other than the Simpsons on a podcast. So this is gonna be a great treat. That's not entirely true, but I am. I am actually excited because it is kind of a nice change of pace to uh, talk about another thing I love and get into the horror side of entertainment, which is one of my uh, biggest passions. Yeah, well, and speaking of horror side of entertainment, you are a spooky guy. <laughs> only, only when I like need to be. But yeah, I, uh, I am a scare actor, so I do uh, do get all monstered up and terrify people uh, most weekends in October. It's a really good time. I work in a uh, haunted house uh, for Fright Fest through Six Flags, which I don't know. They might fire me for saying shit, but I don't think that matters. I'll, by the time they hear this, I'll be done, so it's fine. Um, but I work for Fright Fest, and I work in uh, what the, the house called Piggy's Bloodshed. So I'm, a, I'm actually a cannibal, and our house is very intense. It's not for children. Uh, it says that everywhere, but people still insist on, on bringing children into it. Which doesn't make any sense, because people just need to learn how to read, and then they'll be... Uh... They'll they'll understand what's going on. So well, like I watched horror from a young age, and like my parents were comfortable with that. And like I I remember going through haunts and whatnot. But like if I got cry- if I got like upset and like started crying, like my parents would never even consider getting mad at the haunted house. Like and and that's like the only time like I'm just like annoyed is like we do occasionally. In fact, I just put like a, a bitchy uh, tweet out this last weekend because I was frustrated, but. Uh, somebody was basically complaining because I was too scary, and it was because their kid was in the house, and, like, legitimately, this might be fucked up on my part, but I'll just say it, if I see you in the house, and you've got your kids, and your kids are, like, on the edge of breaking down, and you're, like, trying to reassure them that everything's fine, my goal is to make the 
parent break because if the parent gets scared then the kids are going to get terrified and then to make it worse later when they go home and like the kids are getting tucked into bed and they remember me their parents are going to like assure them I'm not coming back but all they're going to remember is their parents were crying because of me so they're not going to believe them right and that's the way it should be I mean that's I got rewarded for that complaint essentially. So yeah, I mean like our goal is uh, it, the theme of the house is it's like a barbecue restaurant where you find out that you are on the menu and like pretty quickly into the house. I mean there are like cadavers and cut up body parts hanging from the room, naked bodies all over the place. Like it's a pretty intense haunt and it's a lot of fun. I, I absolutely love it. And for people that enjoy Halloween, I mean, th- this is a service we provide. These people know what they're expecting and they pay money to be terrified. So I'm not like just some sick, twisted individual. I mean, I am, but not because of this. Um, so it, right. it's, but it's an absolute blast. I love it. Some random Saturday and you're just out scaring people like there's a, <laughs> a specific reason as to why you're doing what you're doing. And if it, if if the the entertainment, you know, if, if it specifically says that it is not for children, then it's the parents fault for bringing their children into that area. Yeah. And, and, you know, they're going to have to deal with the, the night terrors and the wedding to bed and stuff like that, because all of that. Yeah, yeah. And you hear all of these things, too, um, these different stories about how hot actors are being assaulted, for lack of a better word, because people are getting scared and fighting. And it's like, you know, I'm sure, like, you aren't allowed to touch the people, so why would you even... I mean, there are houses that do that, and you have well, to yeah. pay exorbitant fees right, and right, right. But you are, right, there's, there's But waivers. this is a standard haunt where you're right, I don't touch anybody. Yeah. I, I keep a, uh, a a little bit of space. I do get pretty close and intense, and I'm very, very creepy. Um, and and here's the real truth, and, and this isn't true for everyone. This is just my personal belief, because... In, like, the way that it's it's written, like, here in Texas specifically, like, if I do get assaulted, I can actually press charges if I want to. But here's the, the real line for me. If I scare you so badly that you have a reactionary swing, honestly, I kind of take those lumps literally as a badge of honor. Like, when I get popped, like, because somebody has a reactionary swing, first of all, usually it's not, like, a set punch. They're, like, flailing on a, like, awkward angle, so it's not really, like, a hard contact. It's, again, just, like, you can tell they're terrified and trying to make separation. The Where I draw the line, though, is there are certain people who come in and they'll, like, flat out say, like, man, you get in my face, I'm gonna fucking hit you. And if they, if they even remotely touch me, I will absolutely have their asses removed from the park like instantly because that's i'm uh on the i'm like a a larger size male compared to some of the other people in the house and like if like some of these people hit like a smaller female it would might possibly kill them i mean it's there's no joking matter right and you you have to understand that there's a fine line between you know this is it's it's like going to a movie and freaking out but like because there's a person there they think that it's okay to take a swing and and uh, try to hit you. Well, it's something. like because you're a character, they almost view you as not a person. Like you're right. not real. You know, kind of like the when they go to the movies. You know, Freddy Krueger like is real. All of these, yeah, all of these like villains in the horror movies, they're not real. So I think that they can't. Uh, some people have a hard time divorcing themselves from you know what's real and what's not and. You know, at the end of the day, like you guys are real people, you're actors, and no, 
If you don't mind me asking, how long have you been doing this and what actually got you into this? So I've just always loved Halloween. Like Halloween has been my favorite holiday for as long as I can possibly remember. Uh, I've always loved horror. Like I said, I I was the kid that was going through these haunted houses at a very young age, and I had mostly positive experiences. I definitely had a few times where I got the shit scared out of me. Uh, But ultimately, I view or look back on those experiences and think of them positively. I mean, like those are those are the things now that I, I love horror movies and and doing this. But I actually started as a very small scale home haunter. So like I just got it in my mind that I had a bunch of shit in my garage that I could set up a sort of pseudo maze and it kind of. It kind of steamrolled, honestly. It, got, it was getting a little out of control because every year I was adding to it and, like, it was hitting up, like, the Halloween clearance every year as soon as Halloween was over and buying up everything for the following year. Uh, I ended up building a maze out of PVC pipe and trash bags that, like, was it going, like, weaving back and forth through my, my driveway. Uh, and, like, I was getting to the point where I was, like, investing more money than I honestly sh- probably should have been and honestly getting ideas bigger than were probably practical like starting like well I've pretty much filled up my driveway how could I take this into my backyard and how can I recruit friends to come and dress up and help me scare children on Halloween and like where I kind of had my like realization moment was the like the last couple years I did this kids were actively avoiding my house. So like I was doing all this work and then nobody would come because they were so scared of what I had presented just on like the surface level. So, uh, I mean, I had adults on my street running in fear, uh, down, like just avoiding my home at all costs. And I finally got to the point. I'm like, you know what? I'm doing this with like literally like fishing line as spider webs. And like, I've got like a pop-up thing for camping that I put a table under and like a bunch of like, pop-up decorations and like I'm just doing all this myself I think I could do this on a bigger scale so I I went and auditioned uh for Fright Fest Uh, also I'm a big fan of Halloween Horror Nights I was just on the Nerd or Not podcast talking about that with Bob and I'm a huge fan of that event and honestly a kind of a long-term goal of mine is I want to be a scare actor at Halloween Horror Nights and this is kind of like the logical progression to that amazing so because you're a big horror guy, we uh, we actually were just at Rock and Shock this past weekend. Yes, congratulations! You guys are on that panel. That sounded awesome, dude. Like I'm I'm very impressed with the the moves that the Throwdown Thursday podcast is making. Well, it was a ton of fun. Um, my only regret was that uh, one of the uh, we we got a bunch of vendors to give us some prizes so we could like have some audience participation as well. Sure. And one of the things we got was an autographed copy of To Helen Back, the Kane Hodder story, because Kane was there. Wow, and... that's cool. I, I'm absolutely a huge fan of Friday the 13th, so that's amazing. And the sad thing was uh, we were trying to come up with some really hard uh, horror trivia questions. Apparently some are called than others. Like, I'll, I'll ask you, I'm sure you'll know this, uh, what, what color is uh, Freddy Krueger's sweater? Green and red, and they're like uh, very, very concra- contrasting of each other intentionally. And I asked that question. People were like brown and black, green and gold, fuchsia and puce. And it took like <laughs> six people before they got it. Oh wow! Which I'm a little disappointed at. But the question I had, I because I wanted this Kane Hodder thing to go to a true Kane Hodder fan, which um, I haven't seen all of his movies, but after reading the book and watching the documentary and listening to the, the podcast that they did, Casualty Friday, mm-hmm. it was him, Felissa Rose, and Tiffany Shepis. 
and it's fucking amazing. Um, I wanted this to go to a fan. So my question for this this uh, this prize was, what did Kane Hodder study in college? Holy hell, that's interesting. I don't and, know, but I'm going to take a guess, and, and I'm going to hope I'm right because it would make me really happy. Um, psychology. That was a guess, uh, mm. and that unfortunately not correct. There was about half a dozen guesses. We were encouraging people to take out their phone and cheat, and even the guy who took out his phone and cheated still got it wrong. It was cartography. Uh, he loved maps. He still loves maps. That's why can't... he can get around Camp Crystal Lake so well. He knows that it's ma- literally mapped out better than anyone else. Yeah, he uh, he literally uh, he he got it all because he's got the the NASA relief maps, so he knows. <laughs> where everything is i'm, I'm gonna Wait. do this a lot so i'm sorry in advance but i'm tangenting real quick on friday the 13th because i just discovered this camping experience that i'm i'm hoping to be able to do at some point I, i'm sure you guys are familiar with the concept of like escape yeah. rooms oh yeah. yeah of course one of our friends does one yeah i i love those well they're doing a friday the 13th themed like adults only camping weekend that's essentially a living escape room because like you're basically like, you're being be- stalked by jason Voorhees, like a dude an actual actor I'm assuming multiple actors so they can do the whole popping out of nowhere thing. But uh, you've got, like, actual dudes in, like, beat-up clothes and hockey masks stalking you. And you've got various puzzles and your goal is to escape or live out the weekend and survive, essentially. And I'm just, like, way into that idea. Yes. super I So I'm a huge Friday the 13th fan as well. And and my friends have been bringing that to my attention. Like, oh, my God, you have to do this. So, yeah, it's officially now on my bucket list well we need to make that a thing like we should try to make this (laughs) a thing like i don't know what the drive time is between us but let's find a place that offers this somewhere in between and just make it happen absolutely yeah let's go get killed by jason well what is that i'm surviving y'all like i've seen way too many horror i would be embarrassed if i got killed though admittedly like i'm not giving up weed i'm sorry like i'm gonna get high so if that's still a thing in 2019 you can't smoke weed in horror movies i guess i'm fucked but uh yeah otherwise i'm good to go man so one of the things that we did because we were at at this horror convention was we went around to a lot of different people and we we talked to uh you know some filmmakers, we talked to some uh, special effects folks, and uh, you can get all of these, uh, these answers for you know, our, our con question on uh, shark bites. And uh, if you pay attention at the end, you'll also be able to get a, an additional entry into our contest that we're doing uh, this week. But I'm going to ask you, Miles, uh, I'm going to ask you the con question that we're asking everyone, and that is... Who is on your horror Mount Rushmore? Uh, absolutely Robert England. Like he would be my first pick because I'm I'm such a huge Freddy Krueger fan. My my favorite horror movie is actually um, Nightmare on Elm Street Three: The Dream Warriors. Like I just I love that film so much. Um, man. Uh, just to clarify, horror Mount Rushmore is that across all art, or is this specifically for film? It's writers, directors, actors, characters, whatever. Okay. Uh, then I would have to go with Stephen King. Nice. Uh, I think that Alfred Hitchcock has to have a spot. Like, dude, I'm I'm already at three though. Like, this is worse than the wrestling version of this question. Like that I'm constantly <laughs> debating in my head. Like, there's too many. Um, 
My gut wants to say the last spot goes to Wes Craven, but I don't know if I'm double dipping with Nightmare there, but Wes Craven has done so much other than Nightmare as well. So I guess uh, putting me on the spot like that, I'll, I'll go with that. Alfred Hitchcock, Stephen King, uh, Wes Craven, and Robert England. I, ah, uh, seeing that, mm, damn well, you, damn you both, honestly. This is awful. That's what I wanted. <laughs> I wanted you to just, you know, off the top of your head, go with it. Now, See, you have, uh, you know, talking about, you know, double dipping and everything. We interviewed uh, Spencer Sharness, the lead singer of Ice Nine Kills, which if you are unfamiliar, uh, Miles, you should definitely check them out and uh, everybody listening at home as well. And he actually went Wes Craven, John Carpenter. Oh, damn it. I would also, I love John Carpenter. I Fuck. Yeah. John Carpenter got the most votes out of everyone I, and honestly deservingly so i mean for halloween alone but then if you go into the thing and like the village of the damned which nobody likes that movie but i fucking love that movie um yeah and see that's like where at the end i was like do i have to replace robert england because i feel like i have like it, it's kind of like I, I don't know i don't really we we technically play fantasy football together i uh, don't really watch football but I feel this is like what people do and like they overvalue their favorite player just because they really like that player, not necessarily because the stats justify it. And I'm kind of feeling like I'm doing that with Robert England. So no, no, no. There's no wrong answer. See, what he did was he went with those two directors and then he went with some iconic characters that they've brought to life. So he went with Michael Myers mm. for John Carpenter. And then he said, half Ghostface, half Freddy. Oh, that's fucking beautiful, and I didn't even think about going with uh, characters. I was going with humans, like, creatives. Like, I didn't even yeah, think you... about the idea that I could have gone with uh, characters. There were a bunch of people who only got one vote that I was astonished. Somebody like Angus Scrim, who played the tall man in Phantasm. Mm. You know, there, there were 58 total answers, and 36 of them were one-offs. Oh, wow, that's actually kind of... Honestly, though, I love that. And, like, that that's so true about all art, but, like, since we're specifically talking about horror, horror has such a diverse range. I mean, there are people that love movies like Saw, and then there's people that think of them like, well, that's just torture porn. But, like, the beautiful thing is, like, that exists like that, for it, everyone if they want it, and the people that really like Saw can also love a psychological movie like Psycho, which we'll eventually talk about here a little bit more. Uh, or even, like, something like, um, I don't know, I was going to go with, like, Blair Witch or Paranormal Ex Activity. Like, all of these fall under this canopy of uh, horror, but none of the movies I just listed really even closely resemble something like Halloween or Friday the 13th. And, like, we're just barely getting into, like, the main folds. There's such a wide array. And the horror fan base, I love the horror fan base so much because we're all a bunch of fucking weirdos, first of all. Like, we, like let's just take a moment and acknowledge that so we can move forward with it. Like, if you're this into horror, there's probably something wrong with you, speaking as, like, one of us. Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> it's true. Um, and, and that's fine, though, because, like, we kind of, like, collectively at conventions and whatnot, like, you and 
embrace that. And like, I have some of my favorite my conversations favorite with strangers with some of the weirdest motherfuckers at like various like fan conventions and horror fans are always like remarkably nice as they've got like a t-shirt with like bloody bodies all over it and like a threatening message tattooed somewhere on their body. But they're like, hey, it's so nice to meet you. Oh my God, did you meet Kane? Kane is so cool. Did you know that he majored in cartography in college? Amazing. Yeah, you should definitely, uh, you should definitely, like, peel out that old chestnut, because, uh, that's, that's something that not a lot of people, unless you have read his book, watched his documentary, listened to the, the, the podcast, like, not everybody picks up on that, you know, that's why I gave him a map of the moon, he's like, no one's ever given me anything like that, and he starts looking at it, and he spots, uh, you know, the Sea of Tranquility goes, why the fuck is Tranquility spelled with two L's? What kind of shit is this? <laughs> yeah, the person at his table was like, where, where are you looking? What spot? He's like, G. And she's like, what G? And then she's like, line it up on the, but like, he just started pouring over this map. Like, this is cool. I like to think so whoever I, misspelled Tranquility is like starting to hear at a louder and quicker rhythm at night. Like, kill, 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 kill. Ma, 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 ma. Well, it, it was also <laughs> century map from like you know 1898 they're probably dead already it's fine yeah yeah you got the extra l's the u's in places that typically don't have that look like f yes (laughs) i get that well i think that was a good uh jumping off point so i think what we're going to do is we're going to take a uh, quick break and when we come back we are going to uh we're going to discuss norman bates from psycho so Enjoy these commercials, and we will be right back. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks, too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip, and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Hello again, everyone. It's Mr. Most Days Off from the Best Darn Diddly Review Show, here with a special message for you from Richie the WizKid. You know... A town without best darn diddly is a little like the mule with the spinning wheel. No one knows how he got it and danged if he knows how to use it. The name's WizKid, Richie the WizKid, and I come before you good fans of Springfield with probably the greatest podcast. Uh, it's not for you. It's more of a Shelbyville podcast. Now you wait here just a minute. We're twice as smart as the people of Shelbyville. You tell us where to listen to best darn diddly and we'll listen. I'll tell you exactly where you can listen to it. You can catch the Best Darn Diddly Review Show each and every Monday on bestdarndiddly.com. So hop on the monorail and join us on this journey through the Simpsons series. Uh, I don't want to impose, and it's perfectly fine if you don't want to, but if you would mind doing a promo for us. fuck no. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Hi, I'm Adam Green, the director of the Hatchet Films and the star of Allison, and you are listening to Throwdown Thursday. We are back. Thank you for uh, for for missing us and being there while we waited. And uh, 
So what are we what are we doing Who today? Who said they missed us? Everybody misses me. So Ashes, what are we what are we talking about today? So today we're talking about Norman Bates, who in some cases can be considered the original slasher villain. Yeah, uh, I'm 100% on board with that uh, characterization. And came to be in the well first novelization of psycho by robert block and then in the alfred hitchcock adaptation now i do want to let folks know that we are not concentrating on spin-off sequels or remakes we are concentrating solely on the alfred hitchcock project from 1960 asterisk i'm that- not going to be able to contain myself but i'll try really hard <laughs> so we're we're just talking about 1960s Norman Bates because the I mean, sequel however, came out I mean, with- 23 years later and Hitchcock had nothing to do with it, even if the original cast, some of them came back. But like, we'll also be talking about the book a little bit, just comparisons and contrasts between the two, and a little bit about Bates Motel as well, because I think as far as prequels go, that's a really good series. Well, Freddie Highmore and Vera Formiga... Along with uh, Nestor Carbonell, that's a good cast. That, I love Bates Motel as well. I, the whole Psycho universe is uh, a lot of fun, but the, obviously the only one I honestly would consider to be a good film is the original Psycho. All the sequels I enjoy for various reasons, but like you couldn't really classify them as like they're less cinema than Marvel by like Scorsese standards. Yeah, I can. I- <laughs> Although I can say that uh, having recently seen Vince Vaughn in a couple of uh, S. Craig Zoller films, uh, both Dragged Across Concrete and uh, Brawl in Cell Block 99, I am uh, 100% confident that he could take those uh, that role of Norman Bates on because he's uh, he's really, really good in both of those films. I definitely you... think he'd do better than Vince Vaughn did. I mean, I even like Vince Vaughn, but that was just the worst fucking thing I'm talking ever. About, I'm talking about Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn was in both of those, both of those oh movies. Oh my I god, just... I didn't realize, but that's, yeah, no, you're wrong. Yeah. You're wrong, Patsy, you're wrong. As was who made seen, that. Have you seen either one of them? No. No. Once you see them, then get back to me. All right, all right. Well, well I, I legit will watch them. You'll have to send me links. But uh, I, I do want to also talk about that first slasher movie thing, though. Um, so, first of all, I wanna, I'm want i going to shout out a random person who doesn't know me from anything, but I'm just a big fan of their channel. Are you familiar with Minty on YouTube? The Minty Comedic Arts yes. guy? Yes. Yes. I'm a big fan. I like that dude. I think he's great, and I enjoy his content. Um, I was actually, just because I didn't have time to completely rewatch Psycho before this, uh, I've seen it within the last probably two years uh, as a rewatch, and I've seen it dozens of times in total, but uh, I I just watched his top ten things you didn't know, and, you know, there's some controversy about that being the first uh, slasher film, because some people say it goes to Peeping Tom, which was uh, the same year, but like three or four months before Psycho. I mean, that's fair. But I mean, uh, I don't think Peeping Tom had quite the cultural impact that uh, that Psycho No, did. dude, but I, I took mean, the that- time to read an article, which is 2019, for right. saying I watched a YouTube video, and that informed me that this, uh, this was a thing, and I just wanted to sound smart for a second. Patsy, is that so much to ask? No, no, that, that was actually... <laughs> 
a good bit of trivia that I did not have in in my but notes. You're but totally right. It, it doesn't have the cultural impact at all that that Psycho has, obviously. So I think the first thing that uh, we want to do is I want to get what Ashes has because you've got like 22 pages of notes. So I want to get what your uh, side is because Miles and I will just go off on tangents. Yep. Well, and I. I completely appreciate and welcome your tangent um just a couple of like fun facts that i got here so you don't see norman bates until 27 minutes into the film but afi named him uh let's see the second greatest villain on afi's 100 years 100 heroes and villains list yeah, but they're a band. Like, why are they putting together... Oh, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, the, the American <laughs> Film Institute. I guess Ooh, it needed to be more my specific. Bad. Well, who's number uh, one? Is it Nurse Ratched? Uh, no, it's Hannibal Lecter. Uh, I knew it was one of the two. And number three is Darth Vader. Ooh, that's a good one, too. So uh, if you're going to be sandwiched between two villains, that's, that's, that's not too shabby. Mm, but yeah, the... sweet meat right there. <laughs> but going back to... Um, you know, just what I said before, how some people consider this the, you know, first slasher film, like Norman Bates being the, you know, uh, original slasher villain, per se. That shower scene is iconic, and it's something that has been mimicked and, I don't say Parodied. Yeah, parodied and... Homaged. You know, in so many things. It's something that even not having seen Psycho, you know who Norman Bates is. And, and you're music. aware of the scene. <laughs> and the music. Yeah. And apparently, uh, Alfred Hitchcock just wanted the scene to play out. He didn't have any score in mind for it. And whoever did the music, oh, the just, score for the film... Uh, just just on a whim was like, you know what, I'm going to score this part just in case and uh, see what Mr. Hitchcock, Sir Hitchcock thinks. And yeah, I mean, obviously, obviously, Alfred Hitchcock loved it because he decided to, to, to keep it and put it in the film. Well, I think part of the, uh, the, the draw to this is the fact that at the time, um, I almost said Marion Crane, Janet Lee, who plays Marion Crane, was like a huge star. Well, she's the biggest star. Well, and she was advertised in a way that you would think like she's going to be around for the entirety of the film. Right, right. And that's something that they uh, filmmakers do now. They get these big names and then we'll kill them off in the first, I don't know, 15 Bernard, minutes. Bernard Herman did the music. Okay. So since you brought that um, up, I, I just wanted to say, because I agree with you entirely, Ashes, with like how like iconic the music is on this and like, Honestly, I I almost feel guilty in this realization that I kind of just had of, like, I don't know really anybody who does the scores for horror films other than John Carpenter on, like, Halloween. But, like, really, like, the music in horror plays such a pivotal part, very much like The Simpsons, which obviously I talk about a lot. But, like, we talk a lot about how, like, in The Simpsons, the music is, like, the un sung hero a lot of times because it makes such an impact and like the music in in psycho is what makes it scary like without the music it's honestly just kind of confusing and frantic but like when you have the music on top of it it makes you feel a certain way and in that way is uncomfortable because you're watching a woman get murdered 
Uh, and that's so true to most horror movies. And I, I think a lot of times this in general and most entertainment, uh, I'm sure a lot of mus- musicians will be applauding this, but I think musicians are just generally underappreciated in a lot of like uh, entertainment. I'll agree with that. And it actually kind of ties into uh, one of the interviews we had over the weekend, you know, talking about like we had one one of our uh, our friends, uh, Bill, from outside the cinema and survival of the film freaks. Uh, he added Ennio Morricone onto his horror Mount Rushmore for all the music that he's done. And what when a we were talking choice. to I'm just kidding. That's fucking brilliant. I miss I, I love that. Like, I'm like, I have no idea who that is, but I agree because I, I it's a musician and that's uh. I, I, well, any Marconi, you you know his music. He did uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He actually just won an Oscar a couple of years ago for the Hateful Eight, and that's and that literally is my like. I'm a fan of all that, and I don't know that person. That's that's a shame on me. I was just taking a cheap dig at that person. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, one of the things you know, some music can be used to enhance a scene. But sometimes, like what Adam Green said in, in, his, in his interview with us, the lack of music, like during the T-Rex scene in Jurassic Park, there was no music. It was just the, the sound effects and the kids screaming and the rain bearing, uh, beating down. That can be just as impactful. But, you know, getting back to the, the psycho thing, like this is one of those, like we've been talking about a lot of these iconic moments where like even if you aren't familiar, you know, seen the movie you know that soylent green is made out of people you know spoiler alert (laughs) (laughs) and you know that that music you know because it it's almost like that's what stabbing someone would sound like you know when you think of like stabbing someone you yeah it's very hectic it's very chaotic and 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 it's high-pitched and it's unnerving and i believe it's considered one of the it's of one of the greatest scores of all time. Oh yeah, easily. I mean, even though it's just it's uh, to me, and it's just strings. Yeah, to me, it's up there with uh, tubular bells from The Exorcist, the Halloween theme. You know, it's very simple, uh, very you know easy. Um, you know, not overly difficult piece to play. But, you know, some major chords and some minor chords. You know, to indicate like anxiety and unease. Right. It, it creates this frantic feeling that makes you just I, I, I sometimes when i hear it like my skin crawls like i feel like i want to jump out of my skin because it's just so it doesn't make sense you know like, what it, the notes don't make sense but it's perfection do you know what it sounds a lot like not that specific scene but like the main psycho theme sounds a lot like the wicked witch of the west yeah theme. a little bit yeah yeah. Well, and my again, I, I'm sorry. I'll probably continue to do this. My my barometer of like culture impact is often The Simpsons, and like they have a scene in a sideshow Bob episode. I'm, I'm sorry, it's not even a sideshow Bob episode. It's the one where Krusty kills himself. I think it's one of those episodes, but uh, or fakes his death, I should say. Um, but they just have like the the Springfield Symphony like drive by on a bus, and to create tension, they're playing that that d d d and like that that just sound effect with no like while watching a cartoon still gives you this kind of sense of dread and and I, that's exactly I, what they're going for it's amazing what they can do it's um you know it's uh, like people will often comment on like the idea of like it's uh like comedy and horror uh, like somebody like uh Jason Peel who who's done uh that or us and uh what's the the first one he did that was amazing 
Jordan Peele. Peele. Yeah, Jordan Peele. Out. Excuse me. Thank you. Uh, like, people comment on, like, wow, he's so funny. I can't believe he's good at horror. But, like, it's it's emotional manipulation. And, like, I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in, like, a like impactful way. But, like, he's so good at the psychology of how these these sounds, these words, these actions all combined together are going to make you feel in a certain way. And that's why he's such a powerful filmmaker. And that's why he's such a funny comedian. When, uh, Key and Peele do, do their sketches, they're, they're hilarious because of his comedic timing and the way that he's able to penetrate your, your psyche. And that's the same thing for his horror. And, I, I know emotional manipulation sounds very negative in a lot of ways, but like it, the really skilled musicians is that's exactly what they're doing. And when they do these scores, that that deep 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 sound is an emotional manipulation without you even having to see anything violent. Uh, you assume violence is happening. Yeah, just you had something. Oh no, I was just gonna say it was also used in Finding Nemo <laughs> when Dumbledore shows up. You know, the fishy, why are you sleeping? Mm-hmm. The brace-faced ginger girl who and, uh, I, I is have terrific. To, I have to step in, Miles. I know you have a, a Simpsons podcast, and I'm just a, a lowly Simpsons fan, but uh, the episode you're thinking of is uh, Homer was wandering around in the woods. Uh, the Springfield Philharmonic came by and let off one violin player, and that was right before the wind blew, and he saw the sign that said, Die. And Diet. the wind blew a little strong, and it said, Die, and he screamed and ran off into the woods. Dude. And what did he see? Glowing Mr. The Burns. The Springfield Files. You're 100% correct. Sir, uh, let me back up. I do have the the Simpsons <laughs> podcast, but like, I am a 100% like I am not going to be like you would probably crush me in Simpsons trivia just because of of your vast knowledge and that's why uh, I enjoy having you on the podcast and uh we'll just say it now uh, Ashes is going to be on the podcast here in just a few uh episodes here in a few weeks but um I'm I I do the podcast and I I dive deep and I love the Simpsons but admittedly dude my Simpsons retention is is poor at best and a lot of it is cuz I do dive so deep into every episode that it starts to kind of wash together a little bit but like uh I I have a lot of deep weird knowledge of the Simpsons but then like my recall for like what happened where is sometimes admittedly embarrassingly bad Speaking of uh, embarrassingly bad recall, we see that from you know a, a, a personality quirk from from Norman in this Jesus in this film. Jesus Christ, that was an impressive segue. Thank you. <laughs> after uh, after killing Marion in the shower, uh, which we don't know, it's Norman. We see a woman stab her. Spoiler we, we know alert! It's Norman. Ooh, or we it, it, movie. we. We think it's a woman. Like that's what we're led to outline. believe. Yeah, it's we are just led to believe that a woman, long hair and a knife. Yeah, because yeah. we hear Norman and his mother arguing, mm-hmm. and Marion's like, "Geez, you know, why would you let somebody talk to you like that?" You know, but Norman seems to be fairly intelligent and is picking up on the there that Marion is not who she says she is. Well, kind of to to go to a quote that he says uh, when he's having a conversation with Marion Crane uh, Norman Bates says it's not like my mother is a maniac or a raving thing she just goes a little mad sometimes 
We all go a little mad sometimes, haven't you? A boy's best friend is his Holy mother. Holy shit, dude. That was oh. creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Try some <laughs> next to him. <laughs> Would you like a sandwich? This is the story of how Patsy and Ash's got separate bedrooms. <laughs> <laughs> and they never saw Ash's Would like, again. Would you like... Her name is Stabitha. What'd you say? Stabitha. <laughs> But, but we, we, I was going to say, we see him kind of like he's fairly confident with Marion at first, but then after she's dead and he disposes of her, her body, which I think is kind of a funny scene when he puts the, the car into the swamp and it like, he's watching it and he's all happy and it's like sinking into the swamp. And then it like stops and he's like, oh shit, what am I going to do? Like you see this look on his face and then it just like the air pocket bursts and it just starts sinking the rest of the way down. He's like, oh, well, that sorted itself out. Oh, jolly that was good. A freebie. He goes back. <laughs> yeah, he goes back to his hotel. When the, the inspector starts talking to him, the, uh, the private eye, not inspector, investigator, starts talking to him and he like, starts fumbling over everything and he's like, oh, yeah, well, I, yeah, I haven't seen anybody in weeks. Oh, there was somebody here the other day. Well, if there's somebody here the other day, how come it's been weeks? What are you talking about? Have you ever seen this girl? No, I've never seen her. Well, why don't you look at the picture? Uh, I don't need to. Nobody's been here. And it's like, oh, well, this handwriting matches exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, she was here the other day. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Well, and so it's like, like Anthony Perkins is so good in this role too. I mean, this is he's he's given a lot of credit for this role and he deserves every bit of it, but like the way he is so squirmy on screen, I mean, he's just so mild-mannered and he comes off as like somebody that you would think like would not like even if he was angry, he would struggle to hurt somebody. So like the reveal at the end uh, obviously, like you said, it's a 60-year-old film, so we kind of all know where it's going. But like, can you ima- like when you see this film for the first time, or like if this was hitting cinemas in the 1960s, like that is just wonderful, wonderful acting on his part to to sell that awkward. Like, yes, he's like, what what is he hiding? But like, there's everyone kind of assumes he did the he did the deed or whatever. But then like the whole twist with the mom, it just adds such a creepier layer to it. I'm more impressed, I think. It's an underrated skill, and I think uh, more people need to give him credit for this. The fact that he can argue in two different voices and sound so convincing to well, the point that Marion is like, oh, your mom shouldn't talk to you yeah. like that. Right. Obviously had an actress off I know, but like you're crediting voice, Norman but, Bates. Right, the fact that he can not only alter his voice, but throw his voice like that. And there were actually... Um, uh, Fun fact, there's only one of us on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's throwing something. Um, I kind of wish that I had seen this film in the time frame that it was released. Yeah, we said that in the, last night when we were watching it. It's such like a, a ingrained into pop culture now that you know what happens, you know what it is before you've seen it. And fun fact, 
technically a first time watch for the both of us because we had both seen bits and pieces of it, uh, but hadn't actually sat down and watched the whole thing from start to finish in its entirety. So that was awesome. But seeing Norman's slow descent into madness or what we think is madness, but come to find out is something that has always been there is just brilliant. And Anthony Perkins was just the, the perfect actor to portray that. And they, uh, uh, in order to kind of create that uh, duality, you know, they did have an actress, I, I, I don't know the name offhand, uh, doing the voice of his mother off stage. But they also, in certain scenes, like when he goes in and finds you know, Marion Crane dead in the shower and starts frantically, you know, uh, just, just, just trying to clean things up and, and says the... Uh, Mother, oh God, mother, blood, blood, like he's freaking out. They actually got, uh, got rid of some of the bass in his voice to make him sound more of a teen, like mm. a teenager, like a friend, young boy, to again kind of create um, more like the know, version we see on Bates uh, Hotel. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, yeah. what was the, uh, her name was Virginia Gregg who did the okay. voice. I was looking it up while you were talking about it. But uh, what is it that I mentioned? when we were walking, watching him as he walks up the stairs. Well, his whole demeanor changes as he starts walking up the stairs. He starts up the stairs like a, a typical, you know, a man would walk up the stairs. And then all of a sudden, as he's halfway up the stairs, his demeanor shifts and he starts shaking his hips. Like, yeah, his hips are like shaking he, back you know, and he's forth. He's like sauntering back and forth in a, a way that a, a woman would walk. And it's like walk the like, because... staircase almost has like a dividing line where upstairs he's mother and downstairs he's Norman. Yeah. yeah. It was such a brilliant thing. Like I've never heard anyone mention this, and I've ne- I, w- I was just like, "That's brilliant." You know, it was just—it's a subtle, tiny little thing because it, it almost seemed like you know that's the way he was walking, but like each step was a slight like maneuver into that final posture, and it's like such a gradual change you don't even that's notice brilliant. it yeah. until. I saw your post earlier that said that this was a first viewing for you, and I, I honestly was like, I must be misreading this, because, like, I just can't believe that, like, somebody who's seen, like, Attack of the Seven-and-a-Half-Headed Shark versus Crocodiles film series has not seen Psycho, <laughs> but, like... I, I've seen all of it. Like, I've seen pieces here and there. Like, I, you know, obviously watched, um, like, different... You know, film breakdowns. Sure, you're on very it, familiar you know. with it culturally. You've basically seen it. You just haven't actually seen it. Like, I, I have films like that too. I get it, and I, I understand. Like, especially with something that's you know years before we were born, you're not going to pick up every bit of pop culture, even if it was considered to be iconic or whatever. So, like, I, I'm not disrespecting. I was just in shock to some extent because. Like, I'm the opposite of the spectrum. Like, I saw Psycho at a young age, and then, like, I remember watching all of the Psycho sequels on, like, the sci-fi channel, dude. Like, and I don't know how familiar you are with those sequels, but, like, there's a lot of fun stuff in the sequels, too. My personal favorite is actually the fourth one, and it's, uh, Norm... 
No, actually, that's uh, the second one, I want to say, or possibly the third. <laughs> honestly, those two blended. I think the second one's with his kid, uh, and then the third one's just honestly not very fun to watch, kind of like uh, the fourth Jaws movie where it's not campy enough to be fun and it's not scary enough to be, like, enjoyable. But, like, Psycho 4 goes full camp because Norman Bates... I'm sorry, Norman Bates is actually sorry, calling Norman into a, like, radio talk show and, like, sharing his experiences, like, with this radio DJ. And, like, the entire time he's also planning on killing somebody and he's, like, essentially telling the radio DJ his plan as he's, like, enacting it out. And it's super camp. It's super, like, we have clearly run out of ideas with this character, Talk radio seems popular, and this was before the podcasting boom, so, like, you know, it holds even, like, now it even hits, like, a special place in, like, uh, the whole podcaster side of me, but the whole series is ridiculous, and then you get to, um, the, the, the one we talked, the Vince Vaughn version, which is not good, like, we can skip it, but going all the way around, dude, then Bates Motel comes around, and that show is fucking brilliant, and somehow takes something that, like, Really, as a pitch meeting, that doesn't work. Like, there's no, like, let's talk about Norman Bates, like, as a kid. Like, I honestly, like, I don't really see that being, like, having legs as a TV series, but they made it work. Oh, go ahead. I know, I was going to say, first of all, the casting, like we had said earlier, was brilliant, but it gave you more of a of an insight into the mind of this kid, you know, because obviously in psycho, there are so many questions. How did this person become this way? What exactly happened to his mother? And, you know, what was, and I guess in the book, it kind of hints towards a, an incestuous relationship. And it very much does in the yeah. hotel as well. I feel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so it kind of gives you a little more of a like a glimpse behind the curtain as to, you know, this this kid's descent into madness and these dissociative episodes that he has that causes him to be the he is and how he slowly loses control over the little handle that he has on real life. It's less overt than say uh, Dave Ferch in uh, Halloween, but like it's still there. I think because you know with with Halloween, you had to. You only have a certain amount of time, and you have to show that quick descent, like that snap, as opposed to with Freddie Highmore, who you can just kind of slowly descend him because you have several seasons of. Well, a TV and I think show. they were smart to now, really branch out too with like the idea of like the brother and the girlfriend and the teachers, like the the other like the auxiliary relationships that. Uh, Norman Bates essentially has because like I I wouldn't like that's just me not being smart enough or creative enough to like have thought of that but like when I first heard oh we're gonna do a TV show about Psycho I'm like that's a terrible fucking idea but then they they managed to do it in a way where they created enough uh, alt, like side plots or B stories or whatever you want to call it where you feel invested into Norman as a character and it's okay when we kind of like take time with the other characters that are in Norman's life. Now, this this movie came out like we said almost sixty years ago in nineteen sixty, and Hitchcock was notorious for wanting his plots to be very secretive because he wanted to get the most out of his audience's reactions. So are you aware of how 
he kept this film and its ending a secret when he first when it the first aired. The only thing I know about that, and uh, I'm excited. I ho- I hope I'm wrong because I would love to learn something about this. But I believe that he had uh, was like shipping it under With, the title of like, Wimpy. To basically hide the identity of the sinister nature of the film. So it was kind of like masked as it's just like some character piece about some wimpy guy who runs a hotel. Not like, oh, it's going to like be really controversial because there's murder and chocolate syrup and toilets for the first time in film. I think that's part of it. But uh, what I was going to do, I was actually uh, talking to Ashes about this when we watched it the other night. Uh he and his production team went out in London or wherever they happened to be. I, I, I know why I keep saying London, but wherever they were going to, uh, it's probably L.A. The London wherever they're going of the to premiere United the fi- Kingdom. <laughs> yeah. Went and bought every copy of Robert Block's book so that no one could either guess the ending or, or uh, you know, read through it. Like, he just bought everything he could find. Yeah, he actually bought the rights to the novel anonymously uh, for about nine wow. grand and then bought wow. as many copies of the novel as he could to keep the ending a secret. And he even did the whole uh, giving the cast false scripts and not giving the ending away until they actually filmed the ending. So he was really secretive. Like he really wanted people to be shocked. And it is definitely one of the greatest twists in cinematic history. Oh yeah. It's, it's great when you see like she, she turns the chair around. Oh, Mrs. Bates, Mrs. Bates. And she turns the chair around to see, holy shit. There's this dead, desiccated core. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the then and like then you look back at all the hints you had in terms of things like the uh, uh, taxidermy and like the preservatives and things of that nature. It's like oh shit! But uh, you guys, I think you just accidentally stumbled on a real ironic note. I just kind of observed here. Uh, you were talking about the idea of spoiling the ending, right? And uh, most famously, recently, Tom Holland, who plays Spider Man now in the Marvel universe, he was. Uh, I, I don't know if you heard about this, but he was famously, basically, he accidentally leaked part of the first uh, event, not Endgame, but the um, the one that came before that. The first one with Thanos. Infinity War. Infinity Duh. War, yeah, That yeah. one. So, Tom Holland famously leaked part of that, so they, like, started, like, not giving him complete scripts and started doing, like, fake scripts and stuff. And I just happened to notice that the writer for Psycho 2 is named Tom Holland. So, uh fun world that we live in when coincidence happen. Different Tom Holland, but yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. I, I don't think he'd make the most convincing teenage no, Spider-Man. No, probably not. No. Maybe a good Uncle Ben. So, yeah. <laughs> so, we just watched this for the first time. You said you watched it, you know, a lot as a kid. So, is it different watching it now compared to watching it as a kid? Like, do you pick up on some of these like different references, like because as a kid, I'm sure you you were like, oh well, you know, oh she flushed the stuff down the toilet. Like who cares? Like this is the first time they ever showed a flushing toilet on TV. A kid, of course, yeah. Even like the little bit of her, you know, half naked with uh, Sam Loomis at the beginning. You know, it's like, oh my! Like back in in at that point, so oh, first la, la. well, married 
still slept in separate twin beds separated <laughs> by a nightstand. Uh, we'll push the twin beds together. It's like, They're going to no, push it, them together, all right. It pushed a lot of boundaries, <laughs> you know, and, you know, having seen films, especially more films in this, you know, uh, in this era of, of filmmaking, you, you notice a lot more. It's like, wow, this really did push a lot of boundaries and kind of paved the way for some of the things that we would, you know, see in later years, especially like this still being a black and white film. Well, and the reason why it was black and white was the blood. because of no, well, because of budget. No. It's cheaper to shoot in black and white, and that you know, when you're not utilizing color, you can use cheaper effects. So, like the chocolate syrup for the blood, because it shows up better on film. And see now, know, the, if you if you shoot in black and white, because your movie has a lot of blood, if you're not showing that you know blood splattered everywhere. Well, and you that was another thing, too. Um, he didn't want it to be, like, you know, obviously you want it to be gory, but at this time, it's like, you know, he didn't want it to be too gory. So, I mean, we're black and white kind of omits some of that gore factor. And at this point, we're only, you know, we're, we're about eight years from Night of the Living Dead, which really pushed the envelope. But I will say this, kind of giving it credit to filming in black and white, that last scene that final scene of norman bates when he's pretty much being exonerated uh for all of these crimes that he committed and he just Mm. looks up at the he looks at you and just has this sinister look on his face i don't think that would have captured as well in color as it does in black and white it is honestly that that pose that that last image you're specifically talking about, I very much use as inspiration for my character in my haunted house. Like, there's so much power in the angle of which his eyes are revealed. And I find that, like, when I'm trying to scare people, if they identify me as a human being too early, like, the, the idea is, like, if you look somebody dead in the eyes, you can kind of be like, oh, we're having a human connection. With the way he does that, they're revealed in such a manner that you see him at this very unnerving angle, and there's a very slight tilt to his head. So it makes also the shadows of his eyes just slightly different, and all of that, especially combined with the music, once again, like we talked about, it just gives you a sense of being uncomfortable. Like, uh, ultimately, that's a lot of what horror is, is it makes you feel uncomfortable. And ultimately, when I'm trying to scare somebody, my first step is to make them uncomfortable. And then once I have them uncomfortable, that's when you can really start toying with them and and really unleash terror. You can't really go from like, oh, we're having like, this is another human being. I'm not going to be that scared. But if I can get you even even with just a fraction of your mind thinking, oh, this isn't man, this is monster. And then I ramp up the terror. Your brain no longer has time to process, oh, is this man or monster? You're convinced this is monster. And with just that little fucking look at the end of this film, you do not see a man being... At the end of the film, this is not a man. This is a monster. And again, it's more that uh, mental manipulation or that emotional manipulation because they also have that, that, uh, that, that voiceover you know, where it's like, they're probably watching yeah. me. Well, let them. Let them see what kind of person I am. It's Norman Bates looking at you like a creep with Mother's voice being his inner monologue. I'm not even going to swat that fly. Uh, You know, like, it's so good. Um, 
There is one one last thing I kind of wanted to uh, touch upon before we kind of wrap up this discussion. And to me, you know, th- when it comes to, and we, we had several people talk about this at Rock and Shock, you know, when they talked about or, um, the modern slasher, a lot of people credit mm-hmm. Halloween for that. And if, you're, if folks are unaware, uh, it seems that the ability to uh, be a scream queen has uh, it, it's. Oh, you're not. That's not what you were referring to. No, the end. Game <laughs> oh, a yes. very different read on. Well, that I was just going to. Janet Janet Lee is Jamie Lee Curtis's mother. Yeah, that's all I was going to say. And like they were both, you know, influential in slasher films and and and, and, and the the Sam Loomis in. Psycho could technically be the same Sam Loomis in Halloween. Like he moves on after seeing what Norman Bates is, he decides to become a psychiatrist and and work try to work with people and like that's how Marvel he gets just wrapped thought up. Thought they were from being one... original, but like you look back and like the Hitchcock universe was the uh, the first real major crossover event in cinema. So one of the things we were talking about earlier, and we were looking, and this is why you know you can't always believe what you read on the internet because we, in the same article, we found conflicting reports. Now it's long been assumed that Norman Bates is based uh, loosely on Ed Gein, the uh, serial killer from the mid fifties. Also, inspiration and, for the Texas know, this, Chainsaw Massacre, I believe. Bates and Jane Gum from. Uh, Buffalo Bill go. from Silence of the Lambs because of their need for wearing clo- uh, skin as clothing. Now, we see Norman Bates, like we said, you know, essentially take on the guise of his mother wearing her clothes and everything. Ed Gain took it a step further and actually wore his mother's skin after digging yeah. her up. So, Robert Block has gone on record saying, oh no, you know, this had nothing to do with it. I wrote Psycho and I found out about this after, you know, as I was finishing up and I was like, oh, there's a lot of similarities. However, he would have had time to uh, to base Norman on Ed because uh, Ed was uh, arrested and arraigned, uh, I want to say, November 1957. And Block finished his novel in 1959. So that's two full years of an ongoing court trial and all this crazy shit going on to kind of draw inspiration, you know, and Gain was big into not so much taxidermy, like, uh, not like hunting, like, uh, no, it it wasn't, it wasn't like the taxidermy, like Norman Bates's, uh, Norman Bates hobby was, but he was big into, you know, making furniture out of bones and, you know, making belts out of nipples and, and crazy shit like that, which we see in Texas Chainsaw when, uh, you know, the people are exploring the... Com- the, the commune uh, or whatever it is, yeah. And they go into that room and there's like a, a hand hanging from the ceiling and there's a chair made of bone and all that. Uh, that was more what the uh, police found in Ed Gein's house. So it could go either way on this one. Like, it's hard. Like, again, Block said, no, 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 this isn't what I drew it on. Like, I came up with this. This is my idea, even though there are some striking similarities. You know- a lot of times so, with artists, I think that there's a maybe a subconscious um, connection that, like, I, I don't know this cat, to be honest. I've never read the book, Psycho. I only know it as a film. But, like, 
I know in comedy a lot of times there's jokes that are d- very derivative of each other. There's some very famous cases out there where like two famous comedians will come up with the very same joke or a very, very similar premise. And what I think it is is sometimes that we're more receptive to things than we may realize. So even – like you said, there's a two-year span so, there, he- right? Like maybe even if he wasn't actively following the Ed Gein case, that's such a major – thing happening in culture that there's probably this little subtle influence even if it's on the back burner even if it's just barely making it in the peripheral vision but you're absorbing that that's part of what's happening in america so honestly i don't know enough about the dude maybe it could easily be like it's just like well i don't want to seem like i'm just being derivative but it could also easily be he legitimately had no active interest in ed gein but it's unavoidable so there's little hints here and there conversationally he overhears somebody talking about it and that sparks an idea in his mind and a lot of times even though things can be very similar they can also be their own thing so uh, i guess in the back of my mind i want to give benefit of the doubt and just hope that he was influenced more and if he claims that like no no this was my story it wasn't ed gein then i like to believe him uh, just under those parameters. I, I would, and as you were talking about it, I was like, you know, I wonder where this guy is from. And if he was from Florida, Maine, California, that secondhand New Mexico, news at best back then, like it's going to take a few days. I would, right, and I would tend to agree with you. However, Robert Block Yikes. lived in All Milwaukee. Right. Way to just shoot holes right in my theory. <laughs> So it's like, oh, well, yeah. Oh, I, you know, that's funny locally. enough, he actually was that's the first not- guy ever to put a block of cheese on his head in support of uh, the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's yeah. that's where that name comes from. That's Locker. it right there. Yeah, he, th- there is no other outside. Him. He just wore the cheese and then the Packers started doing it. They, they were not related. Right. It was just that's Correct. how he lived his life. It's like if I get lost in the woods, I've got myself it's a cheese head. Protecting me and, uh, from the elements and food if I need nourishment. Right. I don't know why he sounds like he's from Maine. Oh, oh no. shit! Uh, spoiler alert: so, He's actually seen. Ashes. Yeah. <laughs> Ashes, do you have uh, anything else you want to uh, add into the conversation? I'm very interested in delving a little more into the psycho universe Mm -hmm. um we actually haven't finished bates motel we watched i think all but the last season i think we watched at least three three and a half seasons um and i know they do go into psycho territory they they rehash that story so i'm very intrigued to see exactly yeah with rihanna as uh marion crane um actually i i don't mind her as an actress i i really dig her uh I have no strong one way or the other. And uh, maybe 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 Norman Bates digs her oh, too. Hey! <laughs> so uh, how about you, Miles? You got anything else you want to add for Norman Bates before we Man, uh, go to really. break? Uh, I think we talked pretty in-depth about him. Uh, he's a, a classic character. You know, you did ask me a question earlier, and I did want to uh, touch on it just a little bit. Because, like, full, full disclosure... 
as a kid, I did not appreciate this movie for what it was. Like, you asked me earlier what I thought about, it, like, watching it then versus watching it now. And as a kid, I would have, uh, like, this movie was kind of a joke because, I mean, like, I was already, it, I, I was raised in a world where uh, Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger and all these things already existed whenever I was getting into horror. So Psycho, by modern standards, is boring if you want to say that for lack of a better word in terms of like what you would expect from a quote-unquote slasher especially if you were a kid uh now looking back on it today it's it's obviously so influential on so many of the horror movies that i love and i can now watch it with a, a deeper appreciation even though in a weird way you would think not knowing the ending would be more impactful i think as a kid i was just too add to like appreciate the slow build up and i was like what do you mean there's only one body count in this movie that's not even a horror film yeah there's only only uh, two people get killed yeah. throughout the entire film and uh, although that that second scene with uh the private detective there getting stabbed and going down the stairs like that shot was just fucking amazing like the way they were able to but do again, that a lot of that's that accomplished because of, in- it, of the time like i don't disagree with you that it's an amazing shot but also by today's standards so many people have taken that idea and built on it versus at that time it was like holy shit how did they even think of doing that yeah, yeah i'll give you that all right, so uh, I think what we'll do, we'll take a uh, quick break, and when we come back, we will uh, we'll wrap up this. We've got some uh, some battle results, and we've got uh, a contest to announce. So, uh, Miles, if you want to just hang oh, out yeah, with dude. us another couple of minutes, and uh, all right, so we'll be right back. Hey, what's going on? I'm Steven. And I'm Ron. And we're the hosts of the Super Retro Throwback Reviews Audio Podcast. If you like to hear the latest pop culture news with some smart-ass commentary as well as the latest movie reviews, then check us out. Also, we're a multi-award nominated podcast, so we're doing something right. God knows how that happened. So check us out on all major podcasts and distributors and check out Super Retro Throwback Reviews on all social media platforms. Saturday, November 9th, at 6 p.m. at Platinum City Gaming in Taunton, Massachusetts, it's the Dead of Autumn Horror Festival. Halloween may be over, but we live the horror life all year long. BMG Events, in cooperation with It Came From The 508 Productions, is bringing you this unique event, featuring filmmakers, actors, vendors, podcasters, and more including the world premiere of the second film in the Ties That Bind series, The Box. Tickets are $10 and available at the door or through the event page. Follow BMG Events, it came from the 508, and Throwdown Thursday podcast on Facebook for all the latest updates. The Dead of Autumn Horror Festival. Missing out would be a grave mistake. Hi, I'm Dominic Pace, star of Sci-Fi Channel's Megalodon. This is Emma. Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill. Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series. Hey guys, this is James Thomas, director of Megalodon. Hi guys, this is Dee Wallace from E.T. and Cujo. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created Epis for Family. And you're listening to Patsy the Angry Nerd and Ashes Von Nightmare. <laughs> 
And you're listening to Throwdown Thursday podcast. And you are listening to Throwdown Thursday. And you're listening to Throwdown Thursday. And you're listening to Throwdown Thursday. And you're listening to Throwdown Thursday podcast. And we are back. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed that conversation about Norman Bates uh, as much as we enjoyed having it. So don't get all psycho uh, on me. Oh. So uh, we have a few things to get to. So let's start with Ashes. We have battle results. We do. So last week we threw down, in honor of our Ghostface episode, the Mask of Villain Melee. Which Ghostface makes you want to scream? In a sabathon, which Ghostface killers will be the last standing? And you could choose from Billy Loomis and Stu Mocker from Scream. Debbie Loomis, uh, Salt, and Mickey Altieri from Scream 2, Roman Bridger from Scream 3, or Jill Roberts and Charlie Walker from Scream 4. And unsurprisingly, the original Scream killers, the original Ghostface, Billy Loomis and Stu Mocker won. Yeah, I wasn't overly uh, surprised by that. I voted for them as well. I I would assume Um, it's going to be either two or four, and I'm going to say maybe four got it. Yeah, dude, four was, it was really four. good. Yeah. yeah. Well, Emma it, Roberts it, is good. I, I'm a I'm a big fan same. of Emma Roberts. Um, it, it depends on what she's in. Sometimes Homegirl can't act, but sometimes she's really good. But yeah, I think uh, as far as the Scream films go, it definitely goes one, four, yeah, two, three. But oh, yeah, but I think three gets shat on more yeah. than it deserves. <laughs> like, I, I still enjoy watching three. I mean, like it's. But I, I 100% it's, agree it's with you. Okay. Are, one, four, two, it's three. A- yeah. So, uh, I I teased a little bit of a contest, um, and I, I posted this on Twitter. I posted it on Facebook. So our contest this week, uh, we are giving away a digital copy of the Rasmussen Brothers uh, Crawl. Nice. Ooh, which you and I are huge fans of. We saw it in the theater. Can I? Can I win it? No, because well, we already have it. So oh, so we're giving away a digital copy of Crawl, and that's not it. It also comes with a three-month free trial of Shutter. So if you are a horror fan, this is something you are going to want. Shutter is amazing. There's so much stuff on there. Revenge, that movie, Revenge. It's amazing. Um, and there are so many different indie films you can find on there as well. And so. it's not just straight horror. There's also com- horror comedies on there. Stuff like, you know, The Burbs. You know, that's a horror comedy. Um, it's, it's, I love Shudder, and I've had it for years through Amazon. But this is a, a free three-month trial, not just a, you know, get you through, you know, one-week trial or one-month trial. You get 90 days free. And I guarantee you'll probably want to pay for it afterwards. So not only do you get the digital copy of Crawl, you also get the three-month free trial of Shudder. And all you have to do is is, uh, post on social media who is on your horror Mount Rushmore with the hashtag LaterGator. Oh, that's fun. And if you want a bonus entry but you have to you have to 
either in the Throwdown Thursday group or Twitter, you know, Facebook. Twitter. Yeah. You can email yeah. us as well. That's I'm fine with that. Uh, you can email us at throwdownthursdaypodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you want a bonus entry. You can get bonus entries too? Yeah. You can get a bonus entry. So instead of just one entry, you can get two. If you can tell me who is on who is on my horror Mount Rushmore because I talked about it in the uh, previous in the last episode of Shark Bites. I mentioned one of the four character or four people on my horror Mount Rushmore. So if you can tell me which one of those people it is, you get a bonus entry. So check so, out Shark Bites. So you're giving away bonus entries and I can't even <laughs> enter. Because we already own it. This that we have that we are giving away to our fun But I want to win. It's her well, birthday, you can hear it. Here's this little. She can win if she wants to. My birthday and I want to be a winner. Listen, you already won the <laughs> ultimate prize September 13th, 2009. She was getting Why ready did to I do celebrate that my birthday uh, three me? days in advance. <laughs> yeah. You did me. Well, who hasn't done that? Again, you won the ultimate. Well, that's true. That's true. He gets but around. You know what we didn't do? You and I didn't talk about who is on our horror uh, Mount Rushmore. I think we should. Uh, I think we'll save it. For We're going to save episode. that for for next week because I need a little more time to think about it. Because I think uh, it's one of those questions I should have been put on the spot for. Because, because the more we've been thinking about so, yeah, it. the more time I have to think about it. Uh, the more it changes. That's what we did to so, everybody. Nobody knew about this in advance. We right. So it was it just, you know, right off, right off the top of their heads, you know, just a, a, a so tune in next reaction week for I all did, 86 did, names on Ash's Mount Rushmore. <laughs> it's It's just, it's, it's, it's a lot. So episode three of shark bites <laughs> has one of my four answers. And again, if you can tell me who that is, you get a bonus entry and don't try to guess. He's gonna take you your other entry out. Guess, <laughs> exactly. You get nothing because that's cheating. Follow the directions. So, uh, Ashes, we get some uh, some stuff coming up. What do we got coming up? So we have some really fun events coming up. November first through the third, we are going to be at the Rhode Island Comic Con down in Providence, Rhode Island. So definitely come see us. We're going to be walking around. One of us <laughs> may be dressed as a shark for some apparent reason. Some guy named Richard Dreyfus is Richard Dreyfus be there. So, so yeah, that's happening. We also have the Dead of Autumn Film Festival happening on November 9th. That's at Platinum City Gaming in Taunton. Uh, we will have more information on that for you posted in the groups on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So definitely be on the lookout for that. We also have Super Mega Fest at the Sheridan in Framingham on November 16th and 17th. It is the 40th anniversary of the Warriors, and I believe most of the Warriors are going to be in, in attendance. So Yeah, there's quite a few of them. Out and play. Unfortunately, exactly. David Patrick Kelly will not be there, at least as of yet. It would be cool if he show up. Um, it's like a VIP party and everything. We'll you, be there. You, you can, you can watch the Warriors party. with the war. <laughs> yes, yes, a very important Patsy party. 
Uh, so yeah, that's November 16th and 17th. Getting into December, December 6th through the 8th, we are going to be at Wicked Weekend down in Connecticut, and we'll get you more information on that as well. But that is shaping up to be a crazy convention. Kane's going to be there. Phyllis is going to be there. Uh, um, oh, the kid the Blair from The Witch. Shining. Blair Witch. Ray oh, yeah. Uh, Danny Lloyd. Yeah. The- well, that was the name of the character. Daddy's not here right now, Miss. Yeah, I don't. I, his name escapes me, but yes, it's he like will be there. Oh, shit, the same kid from Pet Cemetery. But it, um, what yes, is it? Yes, And he's also in New Nightmare, which was a really good take on the Freddy, char- uh, Freddy Krueger character. I can't think of his name either, though. Yeah, Danny. That his, nice. his name is Nailed Danny it. Lloyd. I was right. Oh, Danny Lloyd, right there. IMDb. Oh, I also thought, I thought it, was it was like something Mika else. something. Okay. I thought it was okay. So I'm going to get confused then. I thought he was the kid from The Shining. It's the kid from Pet Cemetery. Then I thought they were the same kid. Oh, the kid is. Uh, you know what? That that would not make any it's sense. Really, like just like from a timeline perspective, because of how much sooner The Shining came out before uh, Pet Cemetery. So we're we're very clearly yeah. tripping here. Yeah. Yeah, there's a nine-year Though, difference. Though, I, I mean, to be fair, like, age what, degeneration has come a long way <laughs> in, like, the new new films, but I don't think they had that back then. Well, Miko is uh, 33. So, and um, Danny Lloyd, Danny Lloyd is... So, 13 uh, years. 46. Yeah, that would make sense. I bet there's close to that between The Shining and Pet Cemetery. What, hold on, 1980 and 1992? What was it? Uh, what was it? 1989. Uh, so. Well, Miles, I want to I thank you for joining us, and uh, tell the folks where they can find you, because we referenced your podcast a couple of times, but uh, tell us where where folks can find you on social yeah, media totally. and well, first, uh, where they can find the show. Thank you both so much for having me. I always have a great time when I come on your show and uh, love love being here. So uh, hopefully I didn't piss you off enough that I don't get an invite back because this was a absolute blast. Uh, you can find me online everywhere at Mr. Most Days Off. Uh, you can also find my Simpsons podcast, The Best Darn Diddly Review Show. Uh, that's everywhere at Best Darn Diddly. That's D-I-D-D-L-Y. And that includes www.bestdarndiddly.com. Awesome. And uh, I'm a huge, huge You've been fan on the show. Of, I was uh, honestly just show. Have you been on and, once or twice now? Well, technically, I was on once but the episode was supposed to be episode 98, but we and, went so long. And then long you were also on for uh, the 22 short films about Springfield, though that was like a kind of a, a different like take. Yeah. Yes. That's honestly that one so of like the most fun, fun podcasts. I, that, that was like, I probably took 10 years off my life with all the scheduling and like co- coordination that took, but like it was so much fun. But uh, Ashes, I've got you scheduled to be on the show here in a few episodes for In Marge We Trust, which is the uh, the one where Homer is a Japanese advertisement. And uh, ah, yeah. Bakula. And then Patsy, we'll have to get you on another episode as well because you obviously know The Simpsons better than I do. I need to be on a. Okay, I need to we'll be on a Halloween happen. episode. We'll that That's happen. if I 
Ooh, ooh, okay, yeah, because the Treehouse of Horror episodes, those tend to be my favorite. Because we just, we, we to do a, we did a Treehouse of Horror I don't know when this is going to drop, but back. as we record, yeah, we did... this coming Sunday, episode 666 of the episode, or, I'm sorry, of The Simpsons is going to premiere on Fox, and that's a Halloween of Horror, I'm sorry, a Treehouse of Horror episode. It's getting fucking late, I'm sorry, but uh, uh, it's a Treehouse of Horror episode, it's going to be episode 666, and it drops this Sunday, and I just think that's so beautiful, because they claim that that was literally just their production schedule, and they didn't tweak it at all to make it happen, it just kind of fell that way. I partially I believe that, sure. but I feel like it had some help. Well, we can always, we can always ask that's true. Uh, Mike Price. That's true. If, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Ashes? Oh, no, I was just going to say, this has been a lot of fun. It has, but it's, uh, there were some technical difficulties. We're all so fucking way. tired at this point. <laughs> yeah. There were some technical Hello. difficulties earlier in the night. It is now nearly 1 a.m. And we have to work in the morning. So, uh, Miles, thank you very much for joining us and taking the time out of your uh, very busy well, comedy thank you. schedule. Again, I had a blast being um, here, man. I'd love to come back on down the road. Uh, horror is a passion of mine, but I love talking about pretty much anything with you fine folks. Oh, yeah. We we always have room for guests. And uh, I got to get you on Shark Bites I'm down, to dude. talk about something I, uh, random, I did too, recently go so. scuba diving with sharks in Fiji. I don't know if that would be an appropriate topic or not. <laughs> that would be a good topic. We could talk about that's on my list. There's a place out oh, here. I wasn't in a cage, cage so. uh, diving with the great. Okay, fair, oh, I know, fair. but these are with the great whites. Uh, yeah, we can definitely talk about that in real life too, making that happen. So, but uh, yeah, thank you again so much. All right, and uh, until that being then, said, we, we will see you next Thursday. Thursday.